Good morning. Let me add my welcome to you. My name is Eric. I'm on staff here with Grace. I serve with the young adults uh, at All Things Technology, uh, some of the pastoral team here. So if you saw the Friendsgiving slide and you have questions, come find me. Um, yeah, so thank you and welcome this morning. Uh, I've just been, it's been a great morning already with the prayer time and the baptism. It's just such a wonderful way to celebrate what God's doing already in our body, in our midst. So as many of you know, before I came on staff here at Grace, my wife and I served on staff with crew in college campuses in the area for eight years. That position was a fully support-raised position like Darlene's doing, um, and that support-raising process for us was challenging. It was about 18 months that we raised support to be able to do our ministry on college campuses. At about the 13-month mark is when we moved to Maryland from Virginia, knowing no one, really out of contacts and unknowing how we were gonna raise the other third of our support. We knew like three people here on our crew team and that was about it. Had no church, had no friends. And for three months as we looked for a church, we basically saw zero progress in our support raising tangibly. And there were moments that fall that we struggled, just unknowing, man, how are we gonna do this? Wondering if we'd made the right call to move up here, wondering if we made the right call to join staff and, and be in ministry. Wondering if God was going to provide. Wondering whether God saw our heart's desire. And how often do we, those situations are different, similarly wonder where God is in moments of our life. Whether it be difficulties with doubts in our faith and we struggle to understand why God has abandoned us, seemingly. We doubt God is good when we're having difficulties at work or school. We wonder where God went during interpersonal conflict with friends and spouses and siblings and others in the body of Christ. We doubt that God sees us when we struggle with infertility. We feel like God has abandoned us when we're dealing with sickness or hard medical diagnoses like cancer. We wonder why God is seemingly silent to answer our continued prayers over the same subject over and over and over. No matter the particular situation you face, the doubts and struggles to believe God is with us are common to all of us, whether it be in big things or small things. And our text today in Psalm 139, as we continue in this psalm, wants to speak to those moments this morning. I believe God would have a better message for us, a better word for these moments in our life. So let's take a look at scripture, our scripture for today. And Psalm 139, verses 7 to 12. It says this, where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. Let me pray. Jesus, we just thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you speak into every circumstance of life. Though it may not always be clear to us on the offhand, Lord, we know that your word is thorough and your word is perfect, Lord. So we ask for this morning that you would fill me with your spirit, that you would speak through me, that it would be your words to, the, to your people today, Lord, that it would not be mine. We thank you, Lord, for all you do, and we thank you for your presence that you are with us. Amen. 
So last week in the first six verses of Psalm 139, Don showed us in the first part of the psalm that God knows all things. He knows all things, especially us. And because he knows all things, we can rest in his wise care and empowers us to live faithfully. Today we will see that God's presence is everywhere. And because he knows us and is fully present with us, we are empowered to live faith-filled lives. And if that sounds similar to Don's big idea last week, that's on purpose. It's the big idea just being that if, if, if God is with us, then we are empowered to live faith-filled lives. So we look at this, our scripture today, I really have three points. First point, God's omnipresence. Second point, uh, God's manifest presence. And the third point, God with us. So the first point here, the fancy word for God's presence everywhere is just that God is omnipresent. It's one of those theological terms we oftentimes can get lost in, but it's ideas, if you break it down, omni is all, presence is hopefully self-explanatory. All present, everywhere present. And as we look at these first verses, David hammers this idea over and over and over. And it starts in the beginning of verse 7. Where shall I go from your presence? The implication being that nowhere is away from his spirit. In the next two verses you see, if I ascend to heaven, the north, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, south, you are there. If I take to the wings of the, of the morning, a.k.a. the dawn, the east, you are there. If we dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea to the west, you are there. He later touches on darkness and light later down in the psalm. He's there as well. So north, east, south, west, darkness, light. David uses these expressions to describe the remotest parts of the known world at the time. Communicating the idea of totality. No matter where, he is there. This is not a new idea that David just conjures up. This is an idea that is littered throughout scriptures. And so just a few verses we look at to speak of God's omnipresence. I'm going to look at Jeremiah 23 first. It says, in Jeremiah 23, 23, and 24, it says, I am a God at hand, declares the Lord, not a God far away. Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? God's saying, again, do I not fill the heaven and the earth? He is everywhere. God says to Jeremiah this profound truth. God's own word speaks this idea that he is present everywhere. There's nowhere in the world, in our lives, that God is not present. In Job 34, it says, for his eyes are on the ways of a man, he sees all his steps. In Job 31, does not, God, does not he see my ways and number all my steps? Proverbs 15, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch in the evil and the good. In Colossians 1, speaking of Jesus, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. His presence is everywhere. We cannot escape it. He fills the heaven and earth. He sees all. He sees our ways. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. So just as he says throughout, David sums it up so well in Psalm 139. No matter how far, no matter where, God is there. 
And it's not just that he's big, it's not just that he's everywhere, but he is fully present everywhere. And this is one where I think you look at different attributes of God and you can kind of like understand a lot of them, even like last week with God knowing all. We can kind of get that because we have friends that just have so much knowledge about a given subject. And so you can kind of like extrapolate that out and kind of get the idea that God knows all. But this idea of God's presence everywhere is such a foreign concept to us because we are all limited and finite in our existence. We can only be one place at one time. And so it's easy to think about like, okay, well, maybe we got like God's toe over there and God's head somewhere over there. But no, it's like God is fully present with all of who he is everywhere with each of us at all time. It's not just that he's everywhere, but he's fully present. He doesn't want to miss, he doesn't have to miss what's going on over there because he's over here. It's not how it works. He's fully present and fully himself there. And this is where I think it gets challenging to comprehend because it's so outside of our scope of understanding. Like, like I said, God being all-knowing, we can kind of get, but God's presence everywhere just doesn't quite comprehend in our brains. There's a few implications that come from understanding this idea that God is omnipresent, all-present. And number one, I think about this idea that really that there's a common uh, idea out there, it's called deism, uh, that would really state that God kind of created all things, set things in motion, and now is uninvolved in the ongoings of what's going on. And I think this truth of God being omnipresent, what David says, what it really does is it dispels that notion altogether because it's very clear in Scripture that God is not uninvolved. He knows intimately what's happening. He knows intimately what's going on. He's far from uninvolved. And a few other implications of his omnipresence, I think about even the reality right now, I think about so often in the Old Testament, we think of, of God dwelling in a certain place. We think about his presence in the temple. What omnipresence does is it kind of shatters that idea that God doesn't dwell solely in buildings or places. Oftentimes we think of like, oh yeah, this is the Lord's house. This is the church we're going to. But that idea of God's omnipresence kind of shatters that idea. His presence is everywhere, whether at home, whether here, whether at work. And Solomon rightly acknowledged that. He saw in First Chronicles, he dedicated the temple, and the presence, filled the, the Lord, presence of the Lord filled the temple. And then what does Solomon say in his dedication in 1 Kings 8? It says, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the brightest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built. Solomon had the right understanding that a house, a temple even, could not fully encompass and hold all of who God is. And then thirdly, God cannot be localized in a certain city or location, as some belief systems would say. You think about, for example, the Muslim faith. They believe that God's presence is, is truly there in Mecca. So you have to go to pilgrimage to Mecca to have God's presence. Or you think about certain, certain sects within Christianity. You have to go to certain holy places and kind of like pray exactly where there was that thing, miracle that happened. And this idea of God's omnipresence shatters that idea. And the beauty of that is it keeps us from the sort of superiority that the Jewish people often fell in victim to, where they would see themselves as morally superior to, those, to their neighbors around them because they knew they had God's presence. They were God's chosen people. And as we think towards even this week, the upcoming election we have here in a couple of days, this rings true for us as well. 
We know that God is not American. We know that God is not a Democrat or Republican. He is a God for all peoples, for all races, for all time. He is present throughout all of history, in all places. Wonderful, what a wonderful truth that is to bring comfort to no matter what takes place this week. We know his presence is still with us. And so as we think about this idea of God being omnipresent, we know that God is fully present everywhere. And he can do so with awareness of what's happening. He can do so with awareness of every intricate detail. We don't need to know or acknowledge that, it, acknowledge that for it to be objectively true. God's omnipresence can exist around us whether we realize it or not. And as we see throughout Scripture that God is fully present, that is something that is confirmed over and over and over. It's just part of who he is. And this whole section in, first, in Psalm 139, it's easy to read this as really just a theological breakdown of God's presence everywhere, his omnipresence. But it's much more than that. That presence is personal. And I want you to take a look at the, the six times that God uses I. Where shall I go? Where shall I flee? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make a, my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me. You see the intimate, personal nature of his presence. And there are times throughout Scripture that although he is omnipresent, present everywhere, there are certain times through Scripture where God makes his presence known and very clear to us in a clear way, which leads me to my second point, God's manifest presence. And those instances of God making his presence known would be instances of what the books call manifest presence. The omnipresence of God explains how he is everywhere at all at once, while the manifest presence is God's presence made clear. Manifest means clear or obvious. So let's just take a look at a couple examples of this. I won't have most of this on the screen, but I'll have a few of them here. Um, you think about Jacob in Genesis 28. God appears in a dream to him. He made his presence clear to Jacob. Or how about Moses, the countless times in Exodus? In Exodus 3, God chose to manifest his presence in a burning bush. God was always present everywhere, but he made himself clear and obvious and known in the burning bush. Or you think about further in Exodus, in Exodus 13, as they wandered in the wilderness, God made a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud by day. It said in Exodus 13, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart before the people. He made his presence clear, manifest in front of his people. Or think about later, I mentioned already, First Chronicles 7, the filling of the temple, of his presence when they dedicated the temple. Or Elijah, God manifests his presence in 1 Kings 19 when the Lord spoke to Elijah in the whisper of the wind at the top of the mountain. Or how about Isaiah's throne room vision in Isaiah 6? Or how about think back to our last series in Daniel. We saw multiple examples of God's manifest presence throughout the book of Daniel. You have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You have the writing on the wall in Daniel 5. You have the God appearing and shutting the mouths of the lions in Daniel 6. 
Those are just a couple of the obvious ways that God manifests and showed himself in clear and obvious ways to his people. And then think as we move to the New Testament. In Jesus, we see God's presence in a way more clearly than we ever have before. Emmanuel, God with us. We celebrate that here at Christmas coming up soon. But in, in Jesus, as Paul says in, in um, as Paul says, that Jesus becomes the image of the invisible God. We see even more clearly his presence and what it means. We see his truth filled. His truth filled with loving and how he interacts with those around us. You think about uh, different stories in Jesus' life that show God's presence. You think about that story in John 4, the Samaritan woman who's outcast. And you see his truth filled but loving confrontation over her sin. You see the power of his presence over nature and the calming of the storm in Mark 4. We see the power of his presence over the spiritual world, the demon-possessed man in Mark 5. We see that his care of his presence with the feeding of 5,000 in Matthew 14. We see his compassionate presence with his mourning friends as his friend Lazarus dies in John 11. And we see the tender friendship of his presence as he walks with his disciples, help them understand who he is in the midst of the countless doubts and fears. Even as he sends them out in the Great Commission, what does Jesus promise to them? It's his presence. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Really, we could take any number of stories from Jesus' life as it shows off the character of God's presence with his people. And there were specific times in the Old Testament we saw that he made himself very clear in his ways. And then in the New Testament, we see that clarity and even more clear example in Jesus in God's presence in the person and work of, of Jesus. It's in the work of Jesus that God makes it personal to each of us. For so much of the Old Testament, God's presence was obviously out there and omnipresent, and then we had the chosen people and the Israelites, but then Jesus, that brought personal in a new way to be able to have access to all of us of his presence. And so I want to head back to Psalm 139 for one final observation, being God with us. And one of the things you see in this psalm that as David begins to realize the implications of a God that is everywhere, it means he knows us at our worst. So much so we cannot hide, no matter how hard we try. As David writes this, and is probably a bit unnerved with the idea that God sees everything. You see David's inner battle on display. In verse 7, he uses the word flee. In verse 11 and 12, he speaks of covering himself in darkness. Both these terms are, in Hebrew, are inaccessible, well, intricately always linked to negative connotations. It's the idea he's trying to run away from God, and he realizes that's impossible. And he realizes, even at his worst, God sees us. Even his adultery, even his murder, even his fleeing from his own son. He knows there's nowhere he can hide from God, even though he can hide from others. He's seen his whole life. Think about David's story, the different times he's, he's hid, trying to flee from getting killed. But he knows he can't hide from God. And as he battles this, this trepidation that he sees in verse 7 and verse 11, with the reminder of who God is in verse 10, you see this nature that even in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall hold me. You see the personal nature of this God and his presence. 
And you see David going back and forth, this reality of like, I'm scared, but I also, knowing God's character, knowing that he knows all, I'm comforted. You have that debate going on within David. And then further down in Psalm 139, 23 and 24, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me to the way everlasting. As this battle rages within David, of knowing that he knows all, knowing that he's present everywhere, you see the comforting aspect of his presence as well. And you see that David leans into that. His presence is worth it, and he draws near to the one who knows him and is with him. And what you see is David trusting God, knowing if God knows all and sees all, it's better in his presence than not. In so many instances of the presence of God showing up in the Bible, the first reaction is fear. And then a choice, a willful choice of trust to believe that God already knows in the deepest of ways what's going on. And living on the other side of Jesus, as we do now today, than David did. What David says in Psalm 139, verses 7 and 12, was brought to light in a whole new way in the coming of Emmanuel, God with us. What Jesus has done to show us God's presence and show us more clearly the personal nature of that presence is really a game changer. He shows us more clearly God's true character. He leaves us with the choice we have, much like the two baptisms we illustrated earlier. This God that already knows all, will we trust him and believe in him? We see ultimately Jesus' willingness to give up his life for us so we can be sons and daughters of the king, of all this knowing everywhere God, and, everywhere God is and lovingly asks us, will you trust me? Not only that, but we, know, we now have the helper in the Holy Spirit. Again, God's presence even more personal in ways we couldn't experience before. And it's one of the interesting things I was thinking about this week, talking about the idea of God's omnipresence. And the first hand, I was like, oh, well, yeah, you have God the Father, and he made himself known at different points. And then you have Jesus, made himself known even more. And then you have the Spirit, made himself known even more. But his omnipresence always existed throughout all of those times. That never changed. But we see his manifest presence maybe more clearly in that process. God's presence now dwells inside of us. Where in the Old Testament, God revealed his presence to the prophets and in the temple now the, now the New Testament, the curtain has been torn. We have direct access to the presence of God for access to all. And the Holy Spirit, too, is omnipresent. But just because the Spirit is inside of us doesn't mean we always see God's manifest presence at all the time. We must still believe and trust as the Spirit leads and guides and illuminates us, illuminates truth to us. So even though God is present always, everywhere, doesn't mean we always see it. And the Spirit helps manifest that presence and helps it make it clear and obvious to us now. A.W. Tozer in his book, Knowledge of the Holy, says this, this truth is to the convinced Christian 
a source of deep comfort and sorrow and of steadfast assurance in all the varied experiences of his life. To him, the practice of the presence of God consists not of projecting an imaginary object from within his own mind and then seeking to realize his presence. It is rather to recognize the real presence of the one whom all sound theology declares to be already there. It's a recognition of who he is. Believing and trusting the one who is already there has widespread impacts on our daily, daily lives and daily experiences. And yet I know the difficulty of this moment-by-moment battle to choose to believe and trust that he is there with us. As I mentioned before, every moment there's a spiritual battle raging on and, and doubt is, is winning. The enemy lurks nearby as well, hoping that we'll believe his lies rather than God's word. I know the battle as he, to think that he's abandoned us to face those doubts on our own or the conflict on our own or that terrible situation at work alone or in the moment of that medical diagnosis that isn't what we want. It's easy to believe and think that God's not there with us, but he is. But will you believe that? Will you trust that? And even this moment, the temptation might be to believe the lies of the enemy. But one of the comforting things about the truth of that is that the enemy, Satan, is not omnipresent. Only God is omnipresent. And though where it may feel like Satan is near, he can never be more near than God is. And God has the final word, and the enemy can never be more near than the God who declares over you, I will never leave you nor forsake you, as it says in Hebrews 13. Though you may be tempted to believe otherwise, God declares over you, believer, that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Isaiah 43 says it this way, But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Ben, you can head on up. But what does this truth of Scripture say to us? We have a God who's near to us and desires for us to draw near to him. Though he is present infinitely, he is simultaneously accessible because of what Jesus has done. His presence is both intimate and yet personal. Well, not yet, and personal, intimate and personal. And no matter the situation we find ourselves in, be it from our own failings or the brokenness of this world, God's presence can be a comfort in the midst of our storms. An unfailing, trustworthy rock on which to place our head and our hope. A.W. Tozer, again, further down in the knowledge of holy, it says this, he says, the knowledge we are never alone calms the troubled sea of our lives and speaks peace to our souls. You think about the disciples and the calm in the storm. That's much what we, feel, what we can face. And God is still there. And God's presence can calm and bring peace in those situations. So as I reflect back on the situation, Kylie and I found ourselves in the midst of support raising in a new area with no relationships and seemingly nowhere to turn. It was challenging. We were able to, at times, put our hope and trust in the God that is near to us. 
and have faith that he's at work. And he was. In the coming few months after that, we found a church. We were able to finish our support raising through God's blessing. We saw his provision in practical ways and friendships and, and finances. We saw God's peace, just provide peace over the whole situation. See, even when we doubt his presence, it doesn't make his presence any less near. He is fully present with you at your job, in your conflict, in your school, at your home. Will you recognize that he's already there? Will you believe and trust that he's already near? Isaac Watts, the great hymn writer, wrote this poem. He said this about Psalm 139. He says, Within thy circling power I stand. On every side I find thy hand. Awake, asleep, at home abroad, I am surrounded still with God. Oh, may these thoughts possess my breast, where'er I rove, where'er I rest. Nor let my weaker passions dare consent to sin, for God is there. No matter the temptation, no matter what we're facing, God's presence is near. When we believe that, when we trust that. But again, the big idea, because God is with us, we are empowered to live faith-filled lives, no matter the circumstances we face, no matter the doubts we may have. God's presence is near. So let his presence bring you, in, bring you peace in seemingly unpeaceful situations as it did Daniel. Let it bring comfort and peace when it makes no sense as it did to Job. Confidence to approach the, approach the throne as it did to Isaiah. May his presence spur us to holy action as it did to the disciples. Let his presence be a comfort to you as we go into this election season knowing that Whatever happens, election does not change God's nearness to us and his presence with us. And as we stand and sing, let us become more aware of God's presence with us today. And each moment this week, let's become more aware of your presence, Lord. It's always been there, but will we look to it and believe it and trust in it? Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are present here today, Lord. Nothing we may think or doubt changes that. We know that your presence brings comfort and peace, and we pray, Lord, that you would help us to remember and look to your presence more so each day. Lord, as we battle the, the doubts of our lives, we battle the struggles and, and different difficulties, may, Lord, your presence be the comfort that brings peace midst of troubled souls. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.